possible. You are not available. You don't want to be summoned. Lately, I've been thinking about my whole life in terms of having grown up at the end of a cul-de-sac. I'm beginning to wonder if there's a certain not-a-through-street psychology to my time here. Everyone seems busy planning their futures, whereas I honestly can't even imagine tomorrow. I think I like the sense of safety that only a dead end can offer. There is that picture Dad took on my first day, the last day I saw you, where I'm standing outside the student center, the place they told us would be Command Central, or whatever, where we'd be spending all of our time outside of class, checking our mailboxes and praying for packages, or playing fucking pinball, or getting quarters for the laundry, or watching movies, or just generally loitering around with our backpacks, being co-eds. I never go in there. My roommate, Surprise, whom you guys didn't get to meet because you left too early. That's actually her name, by the way, because she was supposed to be a boy but came out a girl. Checks my mail for me. In the picture, I am squinting and doing that ugly thing with my jaw. I seem to be saying, 1993, what else you got? Dad took that picture and must have developed the role because the next week I got it in the mail with a note that said, First day memento. Love, Dad. It's funny how a picture of me reminds me only of you. I thought it was odd that he sent it to me. Tried to imagine him putting it in an envelope and addressing it, looking up my address, carefully copying it down. And I couldn't. At least not without feeling sad and sorry for him the same way I felt watching baggers at the supermarket handling eggs with great care. I guess it was that feeling that prompted me to call him to say thanks. Thanks, too, for the book of stamps he included with the photo. And it was when I asked to speak to you that I knew you were gone. Anyway, I've never had a pen pal, but this seems as good a time as any to try it out. I'm good at remembering details, and I have a lot of time to record them. Though pen pal suggests a back and forth, and that's impossible here. Lucky me, then. Now I have unlimited space to talk about my favorite subject besides you. Me. Love. Me. Agnes. Chapter Two. Surprise asked me, is it okay if we don't talk in the morning? Like, not even hey or have a good day? Then she told me a story about how her dad used to drive her to school, and he'd have on talk radio, and he'd ask her little questions. And one day she sort of blew up, snapped off the radio, and told him she wasn't awake yet. And she just wanted it to be quiet. They drove in silence for the next two years, but she said she felt so guilt-ridden that they might as well have been talking. It was so loud inside my head, you know? I know, I tell her, and I leave it at that. I don't say how silent seems to be a member of my family. I like surprise too much to burden her. Or maybe even more than I like her, I want her to like me. In either case, I wish we slept in the same bed sometimes. 
It's late afternoon and I'm on my way to English, wondering if I should skip it, trying to remember how many I've skipped. I see the boy from my philosophy class coming toward me. I have an unbridled desire for him that wearies me and takes up a lot of my time. My face feels out of control. I concentrate on my shoes, the six-eyed Doc Martens I'd bought with the money I'd saved babysitting the horrible Nolans, and remember my mother's arched eyebrows when she saw them. Those? I study the ground right before each shoe hits it. Hey. Hey. I keep walking. He slows down a little as if to chat, and I move faster. I want to turn around so badly that walking feels like pushing through the heaviest revolving door in the world, but I keep going. I don't trust myself around him. When I get to the humanities building, I stop. This boy, this thing of beauty.